Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire and welcome to Master Leadership. Great leaders ask great questions and this podcast takes you on a journey to master leadership with questions that matter to leaders who matter with your host, Lily Sinabria. Hi, this is Lily, and welcome to Master Leadership, where we connect with leaders worldwide to gain insights on important topics to help us on our journey towards greater significance. If you would like to participate as a guest, or if you have a question that you would like to ask a guest, go to masterleadership.org for more information. Today we are speaking with David Layton the head of global indirect procurement and supplier, diversity and equity at Logitech. Here's what he's passionate about, his niche. As of today, despite all our best supplier diversity efforts, only 6.1 of the total U.S. corporate spending goes to black, women, and other underrepresented suppliers. The other 94% of corporate spending represent a vast, untapped opportunity to positively impact equality. Most of this 94% of non-diverse spending is with very large suppliers. These large, non-diverse organizations employ millions of people across many countries and accrue trillions of revenue each year. These influential companies have the power to shape a gender-fair future, and in turn, we have the power to influence them. We will not achieve gender equality without these large organizations taking a stand. But that isn't enough. We need others to take action with us. It is only by coming together that we can make meaningful progress towards gender equality. Only by uniting as an industry and with one voice asking one simple question, are you gender fair, that we can fully unlock our influence for equality. None of us alone can be as influential as all of us together. The ultimate goal is to engender an industry-wide change in procurement practices whereby all organizations assess all their high-impact suppliers for gender fairness as a matter of course as we do today for risk, privacy, data security, etc. And then make spend decisions accordingly. As a coalition, we want to create a new procurement standard for gender equality. Finally, we are aware that to amplify the impact of this initiative and to provoke industry-wide change, we need allies. Our impact starts by extending an invitation for other progressive organizations to join Logitech, Gender Fair, and Andela as founding members of the coalition. The commitments entailed in the Coalition for Gender Procurement are simple. One, request that your high-impact suppliers take the Gender Fair assessment annually. Two, improve supplier selection criteria to include gender fairness. Three, advocate for other companies to join the coalition and four, if eligible, consider becoming a gender fair certified company yourselves. Our interview will begin right after messages from our sponsors. 
Have you been wanting to launch your podcast and just haven't found the right resources? I launched Master Leadership Podcast in 2016, and it now ranks in top 1% globally. I've gathered all I've learned and created Master Your Podcast in a Weekend course on Master Your Swag app so that you have everything you need to share your voice with the world, minus those excuses. So download Master Your Swag app on Google or Apple platforms to access the Master Your Podcast course and launch your podcast this weekend. Welcome, David Latin. How are you? Thanks, Lily. I'm doing really well. Thank you for having me. A pleasure to be with you today. You have a great environment there. I love it. Visually, you're on point, my friend. <laughs> Bright and colorful, homely. And you know, funnily enough, it's actually some of the colors of Logitech that I work for. So one person actually said to me one time, is that a Logitech office or is that actually at home? But it is actually my home office. In comparison to what I have right now, it's <laughs> pretty boring here. But let's spice it up. We're excited to have you. Are you ready to pour into our listeners? I am absolutely ready, uh, Lily. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm really pleased to be here. Well, all right. So tell us a bit about your path to leadership and what you're doing now. Sure. Well, Lily, I think the shortest and honest answer to that really is it's been a really long and winding road. And I think I say that because it's important. I think the more thorough answer would be starting way back in my early years. You won't see me on any honours boards at school. Why? I, I think it's because I don't really fit in very well in strict rules-based environments. I'm naturally inclined to sort of challenge the status quo, ask why does it have to be that way? Can't it be done like this instead? Probably really irritating to teachers looking back as an adult. And I also don't react well to really strict sort of hierarchy settings. So suffice to say, formalised education can be a challenge when you come with that mindset. But nonetheless, started my career in finance. I did that really because I'm a logical kind of numbers person. This was okay, but not perfect for my traits. And I think the big change happened really when I fell into procurement. And I say fall in because I didn't really realize it was my niche until I was there. But when I was in procurement as a corporate function, it has this great impact as it sits at this sort of pivot point in a company between all of their internal challenges and priorities and what sort of potential external solutions from their partners are there to do that. In other words, it's a profession that to be done well, you have to be really curious and ask exactly those questions. Should it be done this way? Should it be done that way? Is there a new partner that can be doing this better for us? All the sort of questions that made me struggle with academia and in some of my early career actually really helped me in procurement. So I think I found my niche or rather fell into my niche. But then to bring that right forward to today, and I think, you know, the sort of so what, what impact can you have in that role? I think what does true leadership look like in procurement today? Procurement has this great pivot point, like I say, the connection between a company and the external world. You can have a really significant impact in the corporate ecosystem when you're doing that. Large corporations spend a lot of money with their suppliers. With that spend comes influence, of course. That's kind of the bedrock of procurement. This is nothing new. But I think the really exciting thing is with these companies that have millions of employees across the globe, trillions of dollars of revenue across the globe, you can actually really use that influence to make sure that these large companies are moving towards some of these really important social goals and environmental goals. And I think today, the most sort of proud moment with that exact thought process of influencing the external corporate ecosystem. I was part of a team that co-founded a coalition for gender fair procurement about using that influence 
to develop gender equality in corporations. So I think that was sort of really the proudest achievement of last year, I think, and looking to lead the procurement industry. It's so funny because I was reading your bio and one of the things that came to me was that you're a game changer. You shake the establishment and the status quo. And that occurred to me as I was reading who you were. I love that you're a champion for this. And I was just talking to someone, an amazing female champion for gender equality. And I was talking about how I love when men step up as well. (laughs) And here you are. So, I mean, there are many important roles that you can take on, but why this one? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I think there's a few angles to it. Starting closest to home with me as an individual, I always want to be looking at the status quo. I am really passionate about causes such as equality and environment. And I think it's really important in whatever role you're in to be looking at those topics and think, well, what can we do? Procurement can do a lot. Supplier diversity is something that historically has been done for quite a while. And that's fantastic. It's looking to work with as many minority-owned and women-owned businesses as possible. But what else can you do? And I think that's true of any role. And I spoke a lot about alignment for me in procurement. I think one misalignment could potentially be, you could fall into a trap really of, I work in procurement, I'm kind of saving money essentially for big companies. That's important. But when I look back at my career, will I be thinking I made a difference to things Mm -hmm. here? I think I could easily fall into that trap of couldn't I have used my skills and my impact for something more. But I think when you work for these large organizations, these large organizations have that massive impact. Like I said, you just have to want to make a difference. And I think that certainly comes from the company I work at with Logitech. Our leadership really want to make a difference. Our core values are equality and environment. Essentially, we want to make a positive impact on the world. In a company that feels that way with a scale that they have, And in the role I'm at, I can actually make a really positive impact at a larger company than I could potentially in some smaller organization. So I think personally wanting to make a difference was really the start and being a company that really empowers that. Why this particular topic? It's important to Logitech because at our heart, we're a sort of design and engineering company. We're a STEM company, really. The IP of our company is in that space. It's an area that that has had long-standing and continuing gender challenges. So I think it's really relevant to Logitech to change that. Gaming is one of our biggest verticals that we play in. Again, gaming has had a gender challenge over the years too. So I think Logitech is really in a position that they can make a difference. And in my role, working with suppliers, I can really make a difference. So I think it's really an end result of, and everyone can do this, What can I really do in my role to make a difference to these really important social environmental challenges? And where can our organization really make the most difference? And when you do those sort of questions for me in my role, addressing gender in corporate ecosystems is a really strong topic for Logitech. And it's a really strong topic for me in procurement because we have that influence for these large organizations that really can shape the future of the world. So I think that was really some of the guiding principles. And ultimately, a simple answer to it as well is that Many of these topics are difficult to grapple with globally, whereas gender is one of the few that is understood for the most part what that means when we talk about gender equality globally. Other topics sometimes are difficult to understand from one nation to another, but gender is a universal topic. And contrary to common belief, we're still, according to a recent World Economic Forum report, over 100 years away from gender equality. And that's across everywhere. There is no country that's reached gender equality yet. So that's a long answer, but that's why it's a really important topic and and why I can do something about it in my role. 
Thank you. This is wonderful work. Um, clearly, legacy is important to you. You know, I don't know if I'd phrase it that way. I think you've definitely hit the nail on the head in the sense that I think quite a bit about is what I'm doing making a difference. I think legacy sort of suggests that I want to sort of be sitting on my rocking chair in my retirement, kind of look at everything I've done. It's not quite that. It's more about, I think, another part of me is always sort of thinking, couldn't I do more or couldn't we do something different? I suspect that whatever I do, I will look back at my career thinking, God, if only I'd have done X, Y, and Z, rather than I need to learn to celebrate doing ABC. Whereas I think what I'll end up doing is looking back thinking, well, geez, shouldn't I have done X, Y, Z? But I think certainly finishing my career and ultimately later in life, I want to at least feel like there are such big challenges to the world and I'm privileged in many ways, skin colour, where I grew up, gender, education. I have so many privileges and that's okay. I can't do anything about that. There's nothing wrong with that. But I think what I can do is do as much as I can to solve some of these challenges. So not so much legacy, more probably doing my bit might be the kind of phrase that I'd use most accurately. But I suspect just the way I'm built, whatever I do, I'll still look back thinking, well, hell, you know, that was okay, but I could have done more. I need to learn to deal with that. But I think that's part of my mentality too. Well, you know, to me, legacy is living your purpose and leaving an impact that makes a difference. Yeah. On that, exactly. I would fully subscribe to that. No, exactly. You're dead right. So I'm just curious. Do you have children? I do. I have three young boys, eight, six, and four. And you know what's interesting? Like I was thinking as you were talking, I said, he must have some girls. <laughs> and you don't. No. Yeah, do you know, I get asked that quite a bit. I think... You um... are an anomaly. What's... I mean, <laughs> for gender equality usually comes from an experience where you see and it impacts your heart and your life. But you're an anomaly, David. Maybe I am. I think a few things to that. I think you're dead right about legacy. And essentially, you're looking to leave the world in a better place than you found it. And I think certainly part of that mentality... Uh, would come from my upbringing about just that's the right way to live your life is to try and leave the world a better place than when you arrived. I think that's part of it. But also children are important and they do alter your thinking. I get impacted by things in a lot more of an emotional way now, I think, as a father than I ever used to would have dreamed of doing as a younger soul single male. I think as a father, you do realise you're placing that legacy through to the next generation. And I think, yes, I have three boys and gender inequality impacts all of us and it's up to all of us to improve that and I think whether it be gender inequality or racial inequity or environment when you look at three young boys growing up you do think strongly about what sort of world are they going to inherit and you know you myself and others we all have a role to try and make sure it's a better world than what we arrived in ourselves so I think an anomaly in that sense in relation to gender equality but it's still a strong driving force that you want to leave the world as best as it can be for the next generation really. You know, what's funny is that I had a conversation like this with someone who is in leadership and something came up during a conference that was clearly biased. And so we tried to talk to him and he didn't get it at all. And all he had were boys in his family, really. And I'm like, I can't wait till you have a little girl because he was stuck somewhere. That's not surprising, Lily. And it, on some level, it's understandable. And I had a conversation recently with a wonderful role model called Marianne Seagart. She wrote a book called The Authority Gap. And she kind of spoke about exactly that point, that when you're benefiting from privilege, 
it's actually quite hard to realize that you are. And the analogy she used was in relation to gender, it's men that have the privilege. And, and she also said, well, I'm privileged too, because I'm a white woman. And she described it as when you have the privilege, you're swimming downstream. Swimming's easy. You're flying along. Well, you know, what's the problem with this? Why are these other people going slower than me? And the reason they're going slower than you is because they're swimming against the current. But it's really difficult to realize that when you are benefiting from these privileges. So I think on some level, it takes some sort of abstract thinking or sort of an understanding of what are other people's experiences like that it's quite difficult to realize that you are getting these privileges sometimes and I like the analogy that she used this swimming downstream analogy and you know I have to honor you David because you're understanding where you are and then you take responsibility for that privilege thank you Lily I think again going back to what I first said at the start of our conversation I think ultimately really school was a niche that I didn't really feel comfortable in didn't really feel like the best of me wasn't shown in schooling and I think in my work life and certainly recently with Logitech in this role that I've been looking to drive forward social issues if you really enjoy what you do and you find your niche as I say then the old saying you don't really work a day in your life you kind of enjoy what you're doing and I feel privileged that I can actually do this really as, as part of my job it's what gets me out of bed in the morning it's a privilege to be able to do this and have leadership and others that we collaborate with that can allow me to do this but I think the privilege is all mine really all right so as a lifelong learner David what are you learning right now yeah, do you know, that's a really good question. And I mentioned the Coalition for Gender Fair Procurement, and that's been my lifelong learning experience in the last sort of six to nine months. And the reason is this, it's a coalition, because what we're ultimately trying to do is change the entire procurement industry, that we all use our influence with each other, really, essentially, to make sure that we are all moving towards gender equality. Logitech and myself can't do that alone. We need other companies to join with us. So I have been advocating a lot for the last six or nine months. So what I've really learned is in procurement, I'm dealing with people that are selling ideas, selling goods and services. I'm listening to those salespeople. When you're advocating, I'm advocating for a really good reason, but you're still essentially selling an idea to someone. So I think I've learned, and by association, I'm sure sales too, advocacy is really hard. It takes a lot of effort, a lot of calls, a lot of kind of dead ends that don't go anywhere. It's really hard. And I think it's actually going to help me in my day job as a procurement professional that I now will have a higher level of empathy. Yeah, I know it's actually really hard to do sales because I've learned that with advocacy. And that's important for a procurement leader, even simple things like what you really want to hear is, are you going to join us in this initiative? Are you going to sign on the contract with this? Or is it a no? You want to get to that yes or no. And all too often in corporate environments, it drags on for months and someone might ghost you and never respond to you. And then a quarter later, they say, oh, do you know what? Yeah, we talked about this and it's actually not for us. I think I've learned a lot from advocacy. I'm going to hopefully be better for salespeople to deal with in the future. I've learned this from my advocacy. I touched earlier that part of my makeup is I'm not very good myself at celebrating achievement. I'm already immediately thinking, well, hell, what are we going to do next? It's great we've done this, but what are we going to do next? Yeah. And I think part of this coalition idea, it's okay that I'm like that. But it's also really important that I acknowledge that other people that put in a great effort may want that moment of celebration, may want that recognition of achievement. And in relation to the coalition, that's important. But even in my day job as a leader at Logitech, and I think this has, again, really made me realize that not everyone is built the same. Of course, that's an obvious thing to say, but I have to be acutely aware of things that aren't important to me. That's fine, but they may well be important to other people. So I think really celebrating that moment of wow, we've launched this coalition. That's great. 
I've got to really make sure, make sure to celebrate those moments because it can be really important to other people. Yeah, I'm so similar to you where I get things done and then I'm like on to the next thing. I don't typically stop to celebrate, but it's an important thing to do. It's important for other people, but also it's important to celebrate your achievements and the things that you do, because we have to be that example as leaders to be the example for others that it's okay to stop and celebrate. In fact, I have people around me that remind me and I did that intentionally. Um, oh, good. To celebrate, to take a pause, to really enjoy the fruits of what you're building. And like you say, in any sort of team setting or collaboration setting, the toughest thing is always being aware. Everyone's built differently. Everyone's thinking different things. And just because Lily and David might be, okay, that's great. We've done that. What's next? For the team belonging and satisfaction of others, this is the challenging bit of leadership is getting your head into other people's sort of mindsets. And as everyone, I'm constantly trying to get better at that. All right. So when you think of leadership today, David, what most concerned you and what are you most hopeful about? I think the really hopeful thing is that the era of corporations sort of needing to do good is here. I think that the whole idea of the sort of triple P bottom line of people, planet and profit, we've spoken about that a lot, but I think it really is here now. I'm a young member of Generation X, but I think a lot of it we have to thank the millennials and the Gen Zs for, really, that we've spoken about it for quite a while, but it was always kind of framed slightly under a sort of nice to have potentially, or when times get tough, we forget about some of that stuff. I think the really hopeful thing is that that is not true now. The economy is in a tough place right now. It looks like we're going into a challenging year ahead. But the millennials and the Gen Zs, when they say they care about this, there's so much research out there that they genuinely do care about it. They will not work for organisations that don't align with their beliefs. They won't buy from organisations that don't align with their beliefs. So I think essentially it's becoming a commercial reality that businesses need to really address these topics of Like I said earlier on, what sort of industries are we in? What are the big topics in those industries around equality, environment, ESG? And what can we do to address it? I think that wouldn't have become such a topic if it wasn't for those millennials and Gen Z. So I I think that should really be celebrated. And then, of course, the concern is kind of the other side of the coin, I guess. Will corporations listen and act on that message? I mean, will they respond with genuine action? You always worry with these things that you can answer that first call around the newer generations really requesting this is happening. There's always the risk of is there window dressing going on here or is it genuine action? I think that's one obvious sort of concern. And will it be quick enough? Because when it comes to the environment, we need to be moving really quickly and even more social topics inequity has been around since the dawn of society surely it's time now to try and do something about it so i think the concern on all of that is will corporations really listen and will they move fast enough i'd be hopeful they do because i think it's becoming a commercial reality that they do and if they don't they'll be seeing that difference in five or ten years and it's certainly one thing to listen and another thing to take intentional effective action exactly yeah And, you know, talking of concerning things, even recently, I've been in some industry events and it's funny that sort of uh, different topics become the hot topic in industry. It was CSR a few years back. No one mentioned CSR now. Then it was SDGs, all these acronyms, and now it's ESG. I've been to a lot of industry events and a lot of it's around how do we track this and how do we do this and how do we report on this? What all too little of it has been about is... We need to make the biggest positive impact we can in the shortest amount of time, 
none of it's really been directly about that in some of these industry events. So that, again, is part of the concern, really, that we don't need more data sets. We know what the challenges are out there. There's equality challenges, environmental challenges. We know what they are. We just need to do something about it in a big, impactful way quickly. And I think that concern hasn't really been addressed across the globe yet. And so for our listeners who are leaders of organizations, large or small, leaders of schools, leaders of healthcare industries, what can we do as we listen to you? What are some things that we can do? Sort of starting in general terms, I think what my path has taught me so far is that it's really important to find your niche. It's the key to a happy working life. I'm eternally grateful and lucky that I fell into mine. If you do find it, it's the key to a happy working life. When it's all going well, you won't even feel like you're working. So I think that's really key. And then whether it be to really progress in that niche or whether it is make a positive impact, I think just be really curious about what is happening in this industry, what needs to be improved in this industry, what impact can we have in this industry, in our team, in our organization, in the wider society and industry. Because in any role, I think you can have an impact. With every role, you need to ask that sort of why question. Why does this exist? Even in my finance days, which could easily be quite transactional and very sort of process orientated, there's still a reason that finance exists in an organization, of course. I think it's really important to think, why does this role exist? What impact can I have in this role? And in some cases, that may not be what's being done in that role today. But just be curious about what more can you do in your niche and then put in place a strategy to do it. Day one, month one, year one, year two. Just be curious, I think. Being curious and kind of looking to see, well, what more can I do in this role is probably the thing that's kept me interested in my career. It also then inevitably leads to positive impact because you're always looking to see, well, what more? A bit like you were saying, that you're always looking to see, well, I've done this today. I'm kind of bored with that now. (laughs) What's the next thing I can do? Where where can I go next with it? And that's worked for me. I think, you know, not everyone is wired that way, but I think that first point I said about finding your niche, someone's niche is going to be very different to mine and that's fine, but I think everyone has their niche. And if you don't find it, a working life could be quite tough. If you do find it and you really look to propel yourself in that space, it can be a really rewarding experience. That word curious seems to be a thread in your life. And I think curiosity is really important in leadership because that's where you start to ask the questions as opposed to standing from judgment and I know it all in the space of wonder and curiosity and humility because it takes humility to turn that on. It was interesting. Recently, we had a conversation about the most important things that we'd see to pass on to our three boys. Curiosity was one of them. I think it's really important to be curious about this world. It certainly helps with those topics like we spoke earlier on with uh, use the analogy of the person that was having all these benefits of just being on the right side of the privilege divide, whether it be gender, race, etc. I use that analogy of swimming downstream. That's understandable. The only way you can overcome that is by being curious about, well, why does this person find this more difficult than me? Or why is everyone in this meeting room a white man? I think you have to be curious about it. If you're not curious about those things, then you will understandably just think that everyone else is swimming downstream whereas they're not so I think curiosity really important and like you say it has to come with a sort of level of vulnerability to sort of ask these questions as well and I think the other thing we talked about what we think would be really important for our kids would be a sort of level of resilience as well about sort of bravery and always looking to sort of take that new step into sort of the uncharted world if we can 
help our children become curious and resilient will have done a good start. And there is a third one, but I can't remember what it was. Okay, it'll come to you. Um, but those two are really impactful. And I love that you're teaching that to your children. I have a son and no one primes my leadership like he has. Really? Um, parenting humbles us. Parenting gets us to a place where we either start to grow and learn or we get yeah. a terrible relationship. But you know, as yeah. leaders, you know, our kids are looking at us and they see who we are. Oh, absolutely. They see right through us. It's funny you mention that, Lily. In my role in procurement, negotiation on a number of levels is always sort of part of your role. If you can negotiate with your children, (laughs) negotiations in corporate world are a piece of cake. And even just recently, I can't remember what it was. It was something about when could they watch a movie or when could they play a game? And I started with kind of a longer period of time. They started with a shorter period of time. And I started to shorten my time. Whereas they were just sticking to their guns. They were not changing from their position. And I was sort of trying to explain to them, no, no, the way negotiation works is David and Lily both move a little bit and then then they meet in the middle. Whereas they were just, no, we're not moving, Dad. But they had the leverage. (laughs) They had the leverage. That was the problem. Isn't that something? Oh, I love it. All right. So we have a surprise question for you from Kayvon Tucker. He is a big thinker. And he wants to know, what's your vision or dream for the world? And what are you doing today to move that forward, to make that a reality? That is a big question, isn't it? Yeah. I think the vision for the world, I'd summarize it as a world of equal opportunity for all. And in terms of what am I doing about it here, that's the coalition that we launched this year that we've spoken a little bit about, although it actually goes broader than that. But I think Large corporations have this huge impact towards equality. Even the World Benchmarking Alliance have this concept of the SDG 2000. What they mean by that is the 2000 most influential companies. They employ millions of people across the globe, have trillions of dollars of revenue. We will not reach some of these really important goals. We will not reach equality of opportunity for all without those large organizations making a move. I think that's what we need to solve. How do we do that? And certainly, The small part that I can play in there is around, we spend money with those large organizations. When you spend money with these organizations, you're a client of theirs, you have that influence. And we're using that influence to say, well, we want you to be on a path towards gender equality. It's an important part for us as a company, but as being a client of yours, we want you to be on this journey too. But broader than that, we need allies. And that's where this whole coalition idea comes in, that we're looking for other companies to do that too. So essentially, It becomes a procurement industry standard that when any big company works with another big company, there's all sorts of standards that happen, as I'm sure you're aware. There's contract and data security and privacy. That's all really important. But what we don't do as a default is assess how gender equal a company is and really push forward that agenda of this is really important to us working with you, that we want you to be on a path towards gender equality. I think that's somewhere that I can influence and it's somewhere that my industry can influence. And that's only one angle of it, but that's something I can do. And we spoke a lot about look at your own personal space individually and professionally. What can you do? And I think that's where we're looking to make it reality. But ultimately, for too long, we've been living in a world where talent is universal, but opportunity is not. COVID offered so many opportunities to reset the world, didn't it? And 2020 was one of those moments. George Floyd, Black Lives Matter and other topics that really brought this to the forefront of everyone. I think we really need to make sure that we are the generation that grabbed that moment. So I would implore everyone to look and see, well, what is my equivalent of what Logitech are doing or what the coalition is doing, what David is doing, what Lily is doing? 
what is my version of that? Because we can all do something. It needs all of us to do something to solve these problems. And assessment is really super important because you need to know where you're at to get to where you want to go. How can we get more information on that? One simple way is LinkedIn. Uh, that's a great way to sort of connect with me directly. In terms of the coalition efforts, there's a landing page for that, genderfairprocurement.com. And you can also see on Logitech's homepage on a variety of the sort of efforts that Logitech are making around equality and environment. So they're probably the three easiest ways, but I'm always open to connecting with people on LinkedIn. Love it. All right. So as a listener of this podcast, David, what's a question that you would like a future leadership guest to respond to? Like, what are you curious about? One question I'd have is I've made my fair share of bad decisions, I think. And I'm sure everyone has. I mean, if you haven't made any bad decisions, then, you know, you haven't really changed the paradigm in anything you've done. So I think everyone has made bad decisions. So my question would be, what is one decision that you wish you didn't make? And what did you learn from it? David, I love that question. I will certainly be posing it to future leadership guests. Yeah, do you know, it's kind of a mean question. I'm asking it thinking, I actually don't know what my answer to that question would be, but I think <laughs> I need to think about it. I have to think about that one too. <laughs> um, <laughs> so is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah, I think just really summing up a lot of what I've said, I think just my own personal journey is everyone has a niche, find it. And I think in your early career, it's good to explore. It's good to try many different niches. It's difficult to find your niche. I was really lucky. I fell into mine. I never once in my schooling, college, and then early career, I didn't think procurement. I didn't even know what it was. I was lucky to find my niche, but I think everyone needs to find their niche. Um, and then when you are there, just be curious, like I said, is another topic. And really just see what can you do in your niche to make your daily life as fulfilling as possible, because... It really matters. We spend a lot of our time in our professional work. And if you find it fulfilling, rewarding and challenging, it's a lot easier <laughs> when you find things fulfilling, rewarding and challenging. And I think to use one of your phrases, that for me took me from being stuck to being extraordinary, really. It was totally lucky that I fell into it. But however you find your niche, just make sure you really grab that opportunity when you're in it. And love what you do, because as you said, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. I think it was exactly. Exactly. And you can find your niche and it can change. Actually, it can get more defined as you go along. So being open to that possibility, you know, where we're all doing what we're supposed to do, what we were created to do. Hugely. Um, absolutely elevates all of us. It's a great way to close us out, David. Thank you so much for adding value to me and to our listeners. It's been a great conversation. Thank you, Lily. No, real privilege to be here too. I really enjoyed our call. Thanks a lot. All right. Have a great day. Cheers. Thank you. In closing, here's a quick message. Coaching is the art of influence that underpins leadership in the 21st century. It is the very thing that can get you from being stuck to being extraordinary. So go to masterleadership.org and sign up to get a free coaching session. Until next time, continue to ignite that leader in you.